Grace be unto you in peace, peace from God our Father, and, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear fellow believers in our Lord, forgiven by his grace and looking forward to victory over death. There's the old saying that I'm sure you're familiar with, the saying that goes like this, the, the only thing that you can count on in life are taxes and death. And for the most part, that saying's true. As we go through life, we can count on paying taxes. And unless the Lord comes back before that day, there will be the day when you and I will have to face the hour, the moment of our death. But another way that saying really isn't true, especially when it comes to death. I say that because of what the Apostle Paul wrote in the fourth chapter of his letter to the Christians at Thessalonica. There he reminded them that when Jesus comes back on the last day, there will still be people living. And for Christians who are living on the last day, their bodies won't have to be put in a grave, but their bodies will be taken to heaven with the bodies of Christians that Jesus raised from the dead to live forever with them in heaven. Now just stop and think of what that means for you and me. If Jesus came back right now, you and I would not have to die. Think about that. As I mentioned earlier, our scripture readings today seem to tie together around the theme that our Savior Jesus Christ has, has power over death. And although it doesn't necessarily look like it, in, in that first lesson, that Old Testament lesson, it's there nonetheless. And we want to give our attention to that first lesson this morning about King David and his baby boy who died. And as we consider that account, I want us to realize that there are two things on which you and I can count in this life. One, the forgiveness of sins. And two, all those who believe in Jesus will conquer death when he comes back, whether we're dead or alive. We're familiar with the account of King David. Although God blessed him richly, David was guilty of grievous sins in his life. God had made him king over his people, the shepherd of the sheep. God had also given David the promise that he was going to be an ancestor of the Savior. But even though the scriptures say that King David was a man after God's own heart, David's heart was not much different than ours. He was born in sin, and he had a sinful heart. And the Old Testament lesson is kind of the concluding chapter of that sordid detail in King David's life when he stole another man's wife, committed adultery with her, fathered a child with her, and then murdered her husband to try to cover it up. That whole lie went on for about a year until the Lord sent David's pastor to him, the prophet Nathan, who through a harsh preaching of the law led King David to confess his sins. And did you notice, without hesitation, 
without strings attached, Nathan said, the Lord has taken away your sins. You will not die. Now, even though the Lord did not treat David as his sins deserved, that didn't mean that there weren't going to be some painful consequences in David's life for what he did. Because he made a mockery of the Lord's name in the face of nations, now there would be difficult days in his life. The child that was born to him would die. Another son would die trying to steal David's throne and his wives. And there was never really peace in David's life after that. He was always on the run, even though he was the king of God's people. And we begin to wonder then, through all the ups and downs of life, how could David know that he truly was forgiven? Through all the turmoil through which he would go, how could David know that he was still at peace with God? We're told the answer because God said so. Rather than looking at the outward circumstances of his life, what David needed to do was to listen to what God said. The Lord has taken away your sins. And so for the rest of his life, the only thing that David could count on was that he was forgiven. And so it is with us. We, we rejoice when we hear the good news of our forgiveness, like when we gather in God's house and, and from the altar the pastor speaks to us the words, the Lord has forgiven you. We rejoice in that. But being forgiven doesn't necessarily mean that you won't have difficulties in life or days of turmoil or suffering. In fact, David stands as a reminder to us that sometimes hardship and pain in the heart don't come because someone else sinned against us, but sometimes because of a foolish choice or something sinful that we did ourselves. For example, maybe we did something at work and it cost us our job. Maybe we lied to someone or we lied about someone and, and, and now they're, they're angry at us. They want nothing to do with us. They don't trust us anymore. Or maybe all the while the children were growing up, we did not give them the time and attention that they needed and now they don't give us the time and attention that we need as we are growing older. Or, or maybe we, we made a terrible mistake and it, it costs us our marriage, our family, and that pain comes to the surface every time there's a family gathering or some holiday to celebrate. Yes, there are times when difficulties and sorrows come into our life. Yes, simply by living in this world fallen under sin, sometimes because someone else has committed a sin against us, or sometimes we have brought that on ourselves. And when we go through those difficulties, we might begin to wonder, Lord, are you making me pay for my sins? And you know the answer. When days of difficulty and doubt come, 
Don't look at the outward circumstances in your life. Rather, listen to what the Lord says. He says to you, I have forgiven you. And then look at what the Lord did. He died to take away your sins. And then he rose from the dead to prove that the Father accepted that payment. Yes, you and I can probably count on paying taxes all the days of our life, but there's nothing more that you need to pay for regarding your sins. Jesus paid it all. So one of the things that you can count on in the days of your life is that the Lord has forgiven you. And then, because we have complete forgiveness of our sins, there's something else on which we can count. The ultimate blessing of being forgiven and being at peace with God. Eternal life in heaven. Yes, we will live even though we die. Did you notice David's actions and words regarding his son's death? They kind of illustrate the grief process that we go through when we lose a loved one, especially a child. I have not experienced that grief firsthand, but I have witnessed it as a pastor. There is no grief like that. How unnatural it seems when parents have to bury their children. And so David put on sackcloth and ashes an outward sign of his sorrow, a sign of his inward repentance. He refused to eat for seven days. He lay on the ground pleading with the Lord to spare the child's life. And his attendants observed this grief. And then when the child died, his attendants were afraid to tell him because they thought surely he would do something desperate either to himself or to them. But when David realized that the child was dead and they confirmed it, he demonstrated another part of grieving that in spite of our losses, life goes on. And so David got up, took a shower, put on some clean clothes, went to church, and then came back home and ate something. And his attendants were confused. David, usually people grieve after someone dies, and here you are all cleaned up and eating food. What gives? And then David gave an amazing answer. He said, will my grieving bring him back? He will not come back to me, but I will go to him. Now I know when David said those words, he basically was stating, I will have to follow my son to the grave. But I would like to think that the man whom the Lord chose to write the words, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, I'd like to think that the Lord who chose the man to write the words, he will not abandon me to the grave. I would like to think that the Lord who chose the man to write the words, and I will see the face of the Lord in the land of the living. I'd like to think that when the Lord had these words recorded, David was confessing the ultimate hope of every believer in God. 
that there is life after death. That's what you and I can count on. And can we trust that? Well, look at what Jesus did for that little girl, Jairus' daughter. He had the power to raise her from the dead. And listen to what Paul said in that other lesson. He was under guard of Roman soldiers. Ultimately, this would lead to his death. But then he wrote to the young pastor, Timothy, I am convinced and I have confidence that my Savior will be able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What day? The day of his death? The day of judgment? And what did Paul entrust to God? His eternal life. You know, there are a lot of things that we're counting on in life. It looks like we can count on having no rain for our 4th of July cookout today. We'd like to think that we can count on, especially baby boomers and millennials, that Social Security will still be there when they retire. We'd like to think that that we could count on our loved ones, our families, our parents, our children in, in good days as well as bad. And I think that we'd like to count on our own strength and power when, when we have been forgiven again for the upteenth time that I committed that, that sin of weakness. And I. But dear friends, we can't count on any of those things. Not while we live in a world broken by sin and not with people broken by sin. But there are two things on which you can count. You are forgiven. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you will live forever in heaven. That you can count on. So, dear friends, count on that. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's join together in the confession of our